Sup, y'all. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Average Joe's Beer Podcast. You can just search Average Joe's Beer Podcast. Uh, on Twitter and Untapped, I am at JoeBob401. I'd love to have you guys on Untapped just so I can see what you're drinking. And uh, check out the Facebook page and like it, please. If you can, search Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast and you'll find it pretty easily. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. That's a huge one. And if you're uh, using iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, Please take a minute and just leave me a review if you can. Whether you love it or hate it, whatever it is, just uh, just throw a little review at me. It's so helpful for the podcast, and it just, yeah. Apple likes when podcasts have reviews. It pumps them up a little more. Uh, all right, enough about that. I was pretty jazzed to sit down with a new friend of mine, uh, John Brand, over at Open Outcry on the south side of the city. They're a young brewery, but a damn good one at this point. Um, we talked... Uh, to John about how he got his start and what the future may hold and hazy IPAs and what open outcry will be and is and also what it means to be a south side guy which I find fascinating and I think John had a had a good way of looking at it we also got a bonus visit from our guy uh, Brady Potts otherwise known as the shy beer guy like CHI beer guy Follow him on Instagram and Facebook. He does all kinds of beer content like reviews and he does some great video work. Very entertaining stuff. But enough about that. Let's start the show. John Brand. I'm sitting in the open outcry tap room for another episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. I'm really happy to get here finally. I feel like we, how long have we been talking? Uh, maybe a month and a half yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah, we've been getting after it. And you're, I got to say, you're like one of the best people that I've dealt with on social media. You're like super quick to get back to me. And like, you know, we had one hiccup, which was perfect because you guys got to be on ABC, right? right? We did. <laughs> Steve Delinsky, the Hungry Hound, stopped by a few weeks ago. That's awesome. And it aired already, right? It aired on Friday night. And people can get it on, like, can they find it on the Facebook page ABC and stuff on ABC? 7, ABC 7 has posted the, the video. We have not yet, only okay. because this last weekend was the Southside Irish Parade weekend. <sighs> that's big time um, right here. Right? It, was, it was busy. I this area have, specifically, that's, that's huge. And I had, I, I'm just catching up on things that I should have been doing four or five days ago now, so I'll probably get that post up awesome. soon. So, so let them know. I, I kind of just jumped right in, but uh, we are sitting in the tap room at Open Outcry Brewing. Um, where are you guys located? We are in the Beverly Morgan Park, Mount Greenwood neighborhood on the far southwest side of the city. We're on Western Avenue at 109th in Western. Um, this is about as far southwest in the city and still be in the city as you can get. Um, yeah, but you can like, there's parking. You can find it. It's nice. There's there's plenty of parking on the street here. We got a parking lot in the back as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome. Um, your tap room is beautiful, by the way. This is my first time being here, full disclosure. I've heard so many great things about them through Facebook groups and uh, seeing pictures of your beer and your, your delicious uh, hazies that I've heard about. So I couldn't wait to get out here and talk to you, so I'm glad it's finally happening. Um, you guys do food. I mean, you guys got all kinds of stuff going on here. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming. Uh, we've been open for... About eight months now. We opened up in uh, That's like July. nothing. Eight it's, months? It's like nothing. It feels wow. like eight years, but yeah. uh, July, uh, July 17, last weekend of July. Uh, and um, uh, it's, it's, been, um, it's been crazy since. Yeah, I mean, the visual in here is great. Just cause it, it's, I mean, how would you describe it? I guess let me, I shouldn't try to describe it. Let me hear you describe it. Uh, I'll, use the, I'll use the term that... Uh, my good friend Jared Zubati, who, who has helped do a lot of the woodwork in here, 
Uh, the there's term a lot heat, of wood in here. There's yeah. a lot of wood in that's here. That's not being gross. It's um, a lot of wood. That's what she said. So yeah. uh, the, the, term he, the term he coined was the perfect amount of shitty. <laughs> so it's a lot of it's a lot of reclaimed material I that, get it. that both Jared and I uh, pulled from different barns and buildings in Central Illinois ourselves. Um, uh, married with uh, a lot of industrial metal uh, and concrete, uh, we we like that, you know, like that 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 inherent contrast between the reclaimed materials and the steel and the metal and the concrete and, um, but it's. The whole aesthetic is designed around all this, all this reclaimed material that Jared and I, Jared and I pulled ourselves. Yeah, and it's pretty awesome too when you add in the barrels too. When you, as we look to our, to my left, I see a hefty pile of barrels next to me. So yeah. that that adds to the aesthetic, I think. Yeah, barrel program launched uh, about a month and a half ago. We've been every other week we've been traveling to Three Oaks, Mich- Michigan, uh, to purchase um, journeyman featherbone. Um, whiskey and rye barrels and um, we pick them up the day after they dump them and then we bring them back bring them back here and fill them uh, within 24 hours of picking them up that's what that, that's been the MO the last two or three months yeah I, you're so active on social media that's what I found out uh, but from you know following you starting a few months back or a couple months back and I remember seeing the pictures of the barrels coming in and like yes it's finally happening we have a program now man What's that mean for a brewery, especially a brewery at your age, you know, at eight months? I think it, um, you know, it suggests that it suggests that we're taking this seriously. Uh, This is what uh, this is what people are asking for. Uh, we get the we hear that we've heard the feedback every day in the tap room. When are you going to start barrel aging? When yeah, are you what are you going to put aging? this in barrels? When are you going to put that in barrels? Um, and in our and our brewer, our head brewer here, his name's Will Gobieski. He has a ton of. Um, wood experience and um we just wanted to make sure that we had our you know we before we started getting into this it took us four or five months to dial the system in uh get comfortable with the logistics and the the operational piece of making sure that we're pushing beer efficiently through the system and that we were meeting the supply in the in the in the tap room the supply and demand in the tap room and then um once we felt comfortable with it uh, we started buying these barrels, and um, we're going to keep going. Uh, people keep asking for them, uh, so we're going to keep. What's laying down in those right now? So all the Russian Imperial Stouts that we've done all have the same base grain bill in them, and then the adjuncts that we've been putting in them are different. Everything from the you know, the Grade A Madagascar vanilla beans to the maple syrup and the um, uh, shredded coconut. This is the same base grain bill for all those all those Russians that were thrown in here. Um, Do you have a name for the Russian? Uh, it's t- d- depending on the adjunct. They've all had different. Okay. They've all had different so they, names. They so evolve with the adjunct. That, that's right. So Dig in it. the money, uh, the vanilla strategy, coconut convergence. Um, that base grain bill is what's going in these barrels, and um, I think we're up to thirty now. We want to get up to maybe fifty or sixty, and then. When we start pulling the, the liquid out of the barrels, we're going to start experimenting with adjuncts again and do try to do different things. Um, we've, we've, other than three or four of our core beers, we have not done many beers more than once, and that's just because we're in experimental mode. We're comfortable with experimenting right now. Uh, we're, we're comfortable with maybe something turning out not good and bad <laughs> right, and, right. and dumping it. And... Um, 
we're trying to figure out based on the feedback from folks in the tap room and some of the comments on social media platforms what people seem to like best some before. of them not all of them some of them yeah <laughs> right not that's some, <laughs> some you can only take right. some of them yeah um before we start identifying core beers we have we have three right now that i'll call core beers but we're, we're still i think trying to decide what the other ones will be yeah i mean well you're eight months in i mean it's not, you shouldn't have flagships and cores yet right i mean that's good um, experimentation is probably some of the most fun for the average beer geek too. When they come in here and try a one-off, that's you might only made so much. So, at what point do you start fighting the uh, space monster? You gotta kind of where's all the space? Where's everything gonna go? We already are. Yeah, uh, we already are. We're looking at. Um, as a matter of fact, this week we were uh, ordering another bright tank that we only have room for one more of. Uh, we got room for one more fermenter, but. Uh, we've already kind of exceeded what our maximum capacity is, so we're already looking at expanding, which which is the story of pretty much every brewery that's opened up in the last couple of years. Well, you guys are the closest visual that I've seen in all the breweries I've done. I mean, you guys will be episode 21, and not to mention just breweries that I've visited that I haven't interviewed yet, um, but... This the similar visual to Corridor in, in uh, on the north it's side. It's a great place. Right, great place. And Roger, they were great there. But like to look, sit at the bar, and the backdrop of the bartender is yeah. tanks. Yeah. With the beer flowing to the taps from the tanks. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. So first of all, I love I love that bar. That's a great place. They're so great. Um, these tanks. So we worked with. Um, a lot of folks probably know Psycho Brew. Chris Braymeyer. Yeah. He's in Green. I think it's Greenville, Michigan. Uh, yes. And they're known for their ridiculous monster homebrew systems. They've recently got into production systems, I think, in the last two or three years. But Chris also is interested in doing custom uh, fabrication work. So I had saw this brewery, this is a couple years back. I had been traveling for beer for the last 10 years or so. Keeping when you notes. say traveling for beer, what do you mean? Like uh, your trips are based around the beer for the last ten years? Uh, well, or? so my, in my previous life and my job, I I, tra- I was on the road uh, a couple of weeks out of a, out of a given month. Then when we did, when the wife and I did vacations, it was usually around designed around where we wanted to go and try beer. Um, so between those two, it provided me a lot of opportunities to see a lot of breweries around the country. Uh, this is going back to the mid two thousands, and I. At the time, you know, it was just a pipe dream like it is for everybody else when you decide one day you don't want to do this bullshit anymore and you want to, you know, the hell with it and open up a brewery or, you know, become a hippie or whatever the hell it is that you want to do. Get off the grid, man. Get off the grid, (laughs) right. So I just, maybe 10 years ago, I just started keeping a notebook of all all the shit that I've seen in breweries that I liked and the things that I didn't like. And there was this brewery in um, Arizona that... They had the same thing. They were they were they had these faucets fabricated that were that were um, connected right to the bright tank, and I thought it was fucking ridiculous. It was one of the coolest things I've seen. So that's uh, a good idea. It was a great idea. And their mind, they're probably we're trying to save space here, dude. (laughs) And I should I should I should throw a shout out to that brewery. It was um, Goldwater Brewing Brewing Company, and I think they're in Scottsdale. And um, uh, when I when I really started putting pen to paper on the on the business plan for this, I called up I called up Chris and I said, I said, hey, there's this brewery in Scottsdale doing this thing. I'm thinking of 
open up a brewery? Do you think you could build this? Who's shit? Chris? Chris, Chris Bray- the, oh, I'm Chris, sorry, yeah, you that's mentioned he's the guy that's uh, doing the fabrication yeah, stuff. Okay, yeah, Chris Braymeyer, Psycho Brew, and okay. he's like, he's like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, but we'll give it a shot. So, um, he 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 designed those things, he built them, and it took us a couple days to figure out how to dial in the um, the carbonation levels and the PSI. Um, the, the, the PSI details on those tanks to figure out how we can pour this without getting too much foam. Right. Took a week or two, and um, I we said figured a week it out. Or two while you're open, or while it was, it was, <laughs> it was while we were open. Type stuff. It or? was kind of well, our soft open. It was only a couple of days, so like most people that open up any sort of bar, restaurant, brewery, you're those first couple of weeks is a shit show. You're drinking from the fire hose and tweaking shit as you go along. So it was no different for us, but. Um, he did a great job designing those things, and he nailed it. And it only took us a couple of days, maybe a week or so, to figure it out. But it's it's um it's a great customer experience. People really like it. Um, the downside is that the logistics behind the bar it's not very efficient. So the bartenders don't really like it because they got to they got to take probably three or four times as many steps than an average bartender that has all their beers at a tap tower. Here you got to walk a a 35-foot bar back and forth maybe two or three times before you can fill an order. So uh, it does affect operationally and the logistics of the bar. It does impact that. But That's the deep stuff right there. That's uh, the deep yeah. cuts. Well, That's I'm a, a former, business guy. That's I'm a, a former, guy. I'm a for, former accountant. I think that way sometimes. But um, notwithstanding that, the customer experience of it is, oh, is a huge net plus. People, just, people love it. It's fun to watch the bartender pour your beer right off the bright tank. Um, and damn uh, right it is. Yeah. So you guys have tap handles too, though. You have a, you have a tower too, or is it? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So um, when those bright tanks get down to the last barrel, barrel and a half, we keg them off, and we move those kegs into the cooler, and then we serve the last barrel and a half off the tap tower. Okay, that, that makes sense. Okay. That helps us push beer through the system. It it op- it frees up the bright tank for us to move the next beer in. And it's been helpful for us because since we're doing a lot of um, our beer portfolio has been very IPA heavy and we're doing a ton of dry hopping here. It it gives us a little bit of breathing room to dry hop for a number of days we feel comfortable with that we think makes the dry hopping worthwhile. Okay, gives you more leeway to kind of freestyle that stuff instead of having to be on a schedule or really really forced dry hop for only so long. Well, Well, the same pressure that everybody feels. In, in, in pushing beer through the systems, right? Crazy, crazy. It's 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 a world I'm opening up to and learning a whole bunch about uh, the back behind that curtain of, of brewing the beer. It's insanely interesting and it seems like a lot of stress, but but I don't know. When you look out in the tap rooms, people are happy to be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're drinking. Uh, I've got the peach one. What's it? What's it called? What's it? So this is uh, the Dodd Frank. Uh, the Dodd Frank is our first attempt at a milkshake IPA, so a ton of lactose, a um, bunch of peach puree. We tried to keep the puree subtle in it, um, so the peach isn't overwhelming. Um, every day that goes by, that you pick up a little bit more peach. I think we're about, I think we're about seven or eight days into this, um, into this release. Uh, and every day it seems like it's picking up more peach, but people people seem to enjoy it. By well, the way, it doesn't hang on. It doesn't hang on and just it doesn't over dominate it. It's really I like the way it kind of dissipates. It doesn't hang on. And, and one thing I should say is that just about uh, all these recipes and our dry hopping methodology here 
and the way we're utilizing this this the brew house and the fermenters and the bright tank uh the the head brewer here will gobieski he really is the the thought leader behind all the all these things um each one of these recipes for the most part except for a few of them they're probably more traditional in style because my home brewing experience for the last 15 years led me more down more traditional styles mm-hmm. and trying to and, and as a as a guy you know i was a bjcp judge so i'm probably a little bit more tethered to staying within visuals and flavors yeah and, and recipe building yeah, yeah. No, whereas will whereas will's now it's like rip the top off and go well that will's a crazy hippie so he did he um you know he he comes up with these crazy ideas and they just 99 out of 100 times are like yeah that sounds really like, fucking cool let's do that guys once bad in a while, shit crazy but damn it does it work well once in a while i'll be like well are you sure you want to put a gazillion pounds of shredded coconut in that <laughs> thing i mean that <laughs> that's uh, gotta but, be but fun conversations it, they are fun it's a nice yin and yang he's he's pretty much the, the creative monster behind most of these and and i just try to stay out of his way but also kind of bring it but you know bring if you know yeah you got yeah you have to impart yourself on it a little bit just kind of like give him the other side of the coin and if that means blow past you and he's like no no this is gonna work and all right i trust yeah. you let's go yeah let's go well, he's been put, he's been putting on really good beer so i just try, i try to right. stay out of his stay out of his way um it's, yeah it's hard to curb that huh <laughs> he also he also had professional experience where i didn't right so uh i rely on him a lot to um narrow my learning curve in terms of how to use these production systems i you know i was a i was a home brewer for 13 years i had limited pro brewing experience the pro brewing experience i had was hanging out with a couple of friends that own breweries one of them being horse thief hollow up the street Ooh, that's a reputable one right there uh, yeah People neil byers and, and dave williams great guys they let me hang out there for for about a year and then i have some friends uh, out in Virginia that own a brewery and I would, and again when I was traveling for work if I was ever out in the DC area uh, I'd, I'd spend a day with them so my experience was limited so um, Will kind of bridged that gap he's he's the one that did most of the, the dialing into the, the, the system here and is the brainchild behind most of these beers I wish I could take more credit for it than I can um, <laughs> don't we but all the traditional beer styles here the traditional beer styles here Residing like the, in the tap room right now, I like, believe. Like the cream ale, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like I brewed that cream ale probably seventy times as a home brewer because I just like that beer, even though it's not the most compelling beer style in two thousand eighteen. It was something I was drinking a lot. Sometimes uh, brewers need something to drink too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and it's only four point two percent, so you can drink a lot of it and and work at the same time. The term is crush them now. Crush. Everything is crushable. It's crushable. Now it's, yeah, yeah, man, I can crush these. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you are, are you equipped to tell the uh, the bill the bill biography? So, where did you find this guy? Will I, the, the bill? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Will Will. So, yeah, it's um, William Will Gobieski. 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 Yeah. Um, when I first when I first started getting press that around here on the South Side, local newspapers um, and local online publications that were talking about. Um, you know, the fact that this brewery was opening up at 109th and Western. Oh, so this was our, you were doing this. You didn't have any, you, you were going to brew it? I knew that I needed help, and I was talking to some people, right? I mean, I had no illusions that I had the experience necessary to operate a, a pro brew system on day one. Um, 
13 years of home brewing doesn't qualify you to run a brewery. Sure it does. And I'm, and I'm, I'm practical enough and honest enough with myself to admit that. But uh, I was talking to people, and I got this uh, message from Will over Facebook. I didn't know who the hell he was. And he said, hey, I just moved into the neighborhood from North Carolina. I used to brew at Pisca Brewing Company in Asheville. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm looking to get back into the brewing industry. I've been reading about your shit. I dig what you're doing. Why don't we, why don't we uh, hook up and drink some of these beers that I made? So we, we got coffee, um, tried some of his beers. They were phenomenal. I said, this is great. He lives a couple blocks away from me. I, I built this um, glorified homebrew system in my basement because my wife is very understanding. Um, I feel like I saw pictures of that in an article that I read. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I it was. Uh, I had a lot of fun building it, and then um, it just started to get it grow from there. Like I started buying conical fermenters from Brando down a work uh, down a workforce. Shout a out to years. Brando. Yeah, um, I think everybody in the brewing industry within like a fifty mile radius of Plainfield has a shout out to Brando. Well, you <laughs> have. He's another dude that a lot of people go to and ask questions, and he's always willing and able to help and answer them so we can talk about brando later if you so want, your beautiful like saint of a wife who's understanding says yeah let you can me, yeah let some me, ridiculous she things. wanted to she wanted to build a play area for the kids down in the basement and i said no i'm she not said, let me that. put it to you this way hon maybe we do maybe we don't do the play area yeah. <laughs> so i had uh pipe fitters come out and we ran natural gas in oh the brew house and it was it, yeah it was a real nice system so i said to will uh you know this thing isn't opening up for another year or so why don't we just hang out and brew every day for the next year and make sure we like each other and we can get along with each other. Um, and Your wife enjoyed that. that. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, Will, Will ate, I think Will ate dinner with my family more than I did, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but no, Will would hang out. Uh, we'd brew a few times a week in my basement. And we did that for maybe nine months, 10 months, 11 months uh, before, we, before we opened. And um, it was clear that it was clear that he had the experience that I didn't. We get along well. Like I said, we got opposite personalities. I'm a type A, former uh, finance guy, accountant, um, and Will is a crazy hippie, you know, right, right brain. And we got this nice yin and yang where he comes up with these crazy ideas, and I'm like, no, dude, that's crazy. We're not doing that. He's like, well, what about halfway? And I'd be like, okay, let's do that. All sure. Right. Compromise. Yeah. Uh, and then when I want to do a, um, a more traditional style, like a cream ale or a brown ale or something like that, um, uh, he adds really nice feedback on that, on how to make it maybe just slightly more interesting. And it's been, it's been really good. He, um, so going back to the beginning of talking about Will, um, Will is the creative force behind most of the beers that people are drinking here, and I think he deserves the credit for, for most of that. So where did Will's experience lie before just just home brewing or yeah, was he, he was professionally out in, working? He was out in North Carolina. I th- oh, okay. He was so, going to, oh, right, right. Yeah, so, okay. he was going he to school. Asheville. Asheville. He was, he was going to school out in um, in North Carolina, I think for forestry, I think. Oh, wow. He was a hippie. He was a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, he started home brewing and then he started working at Pisgah uh, and then he worked his way into the brewery in Pisgah and... Uh, I think before he left Pisgah, he was he had the most most tenure there, as, uh, most tenure as a brewer there, yeah. and he was doing um, he was doing a lot of the brewing there. They're a large brewery. I think they're I don't know if you would consider them a regional brewery, but I know they they had I think it was a 15 barrel brew house, and I think he told me they were doing 
they were doing shifts. They were doing two or three turns a day on that brew house. So he was brewing a lot. They were cranking volume. it out. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah. So can I put you on the spot for tasting the uh, peach? Uh, what, what's it called? What's the this name? Is, the, this is the, the Dodd, the Dodd, Dodd Frank. Frank. Yeah. So if we're tasting that, what do you... As a traditional brewer, what what is your take on it? I hanging out with I'm not Will, asking you to bash your beer. I'm not. <laughs> and well, hanging out with Will has definitely opened my mind up to uh, accepting beer trends and where things are going. Right. Um, uh, the benchmark for um, milkshakes right now is probably windmill. Right. I've right? never had one, but yeah, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of that. I see like microphones dip their toe in now locally. I've uh, never had the. I've you never know had who? You know who I enjoyed a milkshake, uh, a vanilla meme shake from uh, Triptych down in uh, Savoy, Illinois, like just south of oh, okay. of uh, Champaign. They've got they've gotten a lot of credit. I mean, obviously where they're located, they don't get talked about as much, but they have some killer milkshakes. But yes, yeah, so I think what you're saying, like Windmill, would probably be the biggest name. Windmill, at least around here, um, uh, was. I think the benchmark for us, um, we wanted a little less fruit, slightly less fruit, and um, we 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 did back off on the uh, on the on the on the peach a little bit. But um, I like it. It's all and, and it's all it's also by the way at Simcoe, which I'm not a fan of. But will again. What is that? What what about Simcoe? Or does it give you like, it's like whatever? It's, yeah, it's like it's like these crazy. Gra- everyone calls it cat piss. Yeah, you mentioned like grassy notes before we started. Like I get I get grassy that I don't particularly enjoy. Yeah. But um, Will again, he's like, "No, dude, we're doing this with Simcoe. It's going to be dope." Trust and me. I, yeah, and I'm like, "All right, well, let's give it a shot." And I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's got subtle. It's a little bit more subtle in peach notes than maybe some of the other milkshakes out there, or, or the fruit notes that some of the other milkshakes out there. And, and I thank you for that because I don't need a drink. Full puree, <laughs> and that's nothing against the other milkshakes that are no, out there. No, it just was, absolutely. It was just uh, something that we. Well, I, I'm always like subtle, subtle, right? But there's but, a there's a there's a conglomerate of brew geeks and beer lovers and you know beer nerds and beer geeks, whatever you want to call them, that are, you know, give me the bomb, give me the big juice bomb, and then there's some of us that are kind of like sitting back, like. I love the juice bomb. It's good. It's really good. But like, could you kind of just give me a little bit of that bitter on the on? You know, it's just something to like let you know it's alive. Still, yeah. it's a it's a beer. You know, it's, it's so that's our Lewis Winthorpe. That was um, that's an England style IPA. That heard some good things about that one. And uh, that was one where I think, I think actually Will threw that one together without us talking first, and it turned Jerk. out uh, yeah, and it turned out awesome. It's. Um, Genius. It, it's really <laughs> jerk good. to genius, just like that. Just I'm, like I'm, that. Yeah, it, it, it's one of the, it's one of the two or three beers that, um, I, I think that get when we re, when we release it, it gets more comments on social media platforms than just about anything else. Um, uh, we feel pretty fortunate that people seem to like the beer, so we keep brewing it. Same thing with open interest. Um, but that the other one, one I've heard great things about as well. Yeah. Lewis is Lewis is pretty aggressive in everything that it, that it does. Um, it's not on right now. I think we're going to brew it again in the next couple of weeks. But um, people seem to like that too. It seems like yeah. I think that was probably maybe the first beer visually I saw. Shout out to the folks of IBU uh, 
I seen I seen a lot of your beers uh, in in daytime drinking pictures, you know, lunch hours and things like that. On yeah, the IBU, the IBU guys are great. Yeah, so that that was kind of one of the things I was like, all right, I, I, I too many things. Your name kept coming up too much. Uh, also, want to give a shout out to uh, the, some of the artwork. I think I believe uh, when you guys opened, maybe it was uh, with our friend Kevin Dembski. Yeah. Uh, was it? What's this company? Sixty Four Creative. Sixty Four Creative. Creative. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's doing some dope stuff. So that was that was kind. I saw your logo. I kind of started like, all right, where's this place at? And that's kind of how I ended up getting in contact with you. So Kevin, thank you if you're bothering to listen. Um, but yeah, that's so you're you're telling the the Will story here. So where where did you come from? I know you said thirteen years or so home brewing, but but what was your background before that? Uh, you an Illinois guy? You a yeah, South Side guy? I'm a South Side guy. So. Uh, my family is from the ward. My parents grew up in Mount Greenwood, um, the 19th ward here. So 19th ward, like I said at the beginning, is Beverly, Morgan Park, Mount Greenwood. My folks are from Mount Greenwood, moved us down to Frankfurt in the 80s. So I, I grew up Frankfurt. in Frankfurt. Frankfurt, you were close to me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up in Frankfurt. I went to Lincoln Way. Um, I went to Lincoln Way before still the split. So, still south side, I'll air quote it. I'll yeah. air quote it, but it's still southwest still south there. Side. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, most of the family kind of hung back around here, so we were always around here growing up. We were the, we were the, we were the crazy people that moved out to the cornfields in Frankfurt yeah. in the 80s, right? What are you doing out there with all those hillbillies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't Lincoln, mean that. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln Way at the time was one high school. It was before this, yeah. all the splits. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember that growing up. Now there's Lincoln Way South and no, whatever. Yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, so I'm originally from the South Side. Um, after. Can, can you explain like to anyone like what it means to be a South Side guy? That's a complicated I thing. I feel like it's a real thing, right? That's a complicated thing. My brother-in-law the is, is so a South Side guy. The South Side is so complicated. There's so many nuances to being a South Side person um depending on what neighborhood you're from the you know the the history in terms of like the you know the the, the socioeconomics and the in in the race relations it's just such an interesting history around you can here. refer and to your area as a ward like nobody else has that <laughs> uh well you know that everyone actually people refer they still to this day say you know when they say where you're from you're talking parishes right yeah. so yeah yeah um, so we live in barnabas it's part of being a south side guy right Right, so that's still a thing today. Um, probably less of a thing than it was in the past, but it's still a thing. Um, uh, but th- th- w- to answer your question, what does it mean to be a South Side guy? I don't know how to answer that because there's books written on the South Side that really dive deep into the history of the South Side. And I don't want to force you out of humility or anything, but I mean, like to me, from the outside looking in, because I'm a suburbs guy, you mm-hmm. know, Southwest suburbs. But not South Side. But well, I'm probably a, su- a suburbs guy too. I think some people. You're a mixture. I'm a mixture, but the fact that I didn't wasn't raised in my adolescence in the city mm-hmm. probably the true South Side guys that really take that seriously probably oh, true. like this guy's not South poser. Side. He grew up in Frankfurt. I'm a poser, right? I'm a poser, but um, I've now lived on the South Side more than I have right. in Frankfurt. So I don't know if that qualifies me as a South I think side. from the outside looking in, I always picture like just, just like a an old school toughness kind of. I don't know. My brother-in-law has it. He's all South Side. You know, I wear a suit when I go to church. Like I wear, you know, the, it, it, he's, there's little things about him that, that not everybody abides by anymore. Maybe a little edge. He holds the door. You edge. know, he's People he's got a chip <laughs> on their shoulder because they... Yeah. He's, um, he's that mixture of don't give a fuck and like super gentlemanly yeah. all at once. But at the same time... Um, at the same time, I don't think there is a 
there's not many neighborhoods around here. There's not many neighborhoods like this, not only in the city, but in the country, I think, right? And I, and I did a lot of traveling, so I've seen a, a lot of other neighborhoods. Like, you know, like some, you know, some of the neighborhoods in Boston maybe have neighborhoods like this or yeah. some of the boroughs in New York. But um, this neighborhood is really, really special. And I, and I mean that not only from, um, you know, from different angles, right? The, uh, you got a lot of diversity in this, in this neighborhood, which is cool. Uh, you got diversity not only in race, but you, in the socioeconomics. You got, you got upper middle class, middle class, lower class. Everyone kind of lives in the same neighborhood. You have a sense of family and um, responsibility for this neighborhood that I don't think you get in most places. Uh, it's the kind of neighborhood where if your kids are acting like jagoffs, somebody down the street... Your neighbor can yell at is, them. Yeah, they're going to yell at them. They're going to be like, stop acting like a jagoff. 20 right? years ago, they probably hit them. <laughs> and that still happens around here, and people, and, that, and that's what people expect. Now, if you, do, if you were to call somebody else's kid a jagoff somewhere else... It's probably right. not going to go over so probably well. Probably not going to go over so well. Yeah. So, um, you know, it takes a village and all that kind of yeah. stuff is still in effect around here, which oh, is... the houses are closer together, you know, but it's still a neighborhood. There's still, still trees. There's still, like, differences. It's not the same cookie-cutter house next door to each other, but they're closer together, and there's still trees, and there's still, like, life. Uh, it's not big city, but it's not suburbs. Right. So, I live here, and um, I really buy into what this neighborhood's about and when I decided to make the leap and try to start my own business and and do this it was really I didn't look anywhere else I started looking for real estate on Western Avenue from day one when my wife gave me the permission to have a midlife crisis and do this so I'd love to have been in that conversation it was (laughs) we can talk about that if you want but she um, I mean she's it was zero resistance she was amazing about it she was supportive from day one you must have done some good things you must have built up some good credit you must have built up some good credit you done made some smart decisions in your time it's these stunning good looks that's probably, probably what right. it is you uh, are you are a tall in stature man I'm, i have to say i haven't seen too much ugly of that. as fuck but I, i'm tall I, for I, didn't, sure. I didn't say that you did those are your words but uh Apparently, Nick Jacu says that you can't play basketball to save your life. And that's on false. Facebook. Nick, Nick that's and all his buddies showed up last fall. All his uh, boys. I think we played three or four rounds of horse. I won all of them, <laughs> except for maybe the last one. He but tried. He tried, though. He tried to put it on Facebook. He tried to put it out there on my on my post that I was coming out here. I, I think the only guy Ask in the him what happened when we played a horse. <laughs> John uh, cleared that up real quick. Real quick. Yeah, Nick. Nick is Nick is a confused, confused man. He he's a he's a radio guy, right? Yeah, ninety five nine the river. Give right, him some love. Right. Yeah, ninety five nine the uh, river. Check out Nick. I, I think, think he's like eleven to three p.m. Yeah, eleven a.m. to three p.m. The only guy in the industry that I that I have to look up to is Chet Brett from Church Street. Chet Brett, baby, who's like six ten, six eleven. I, I saw a picture of him. I didn't know how tall he was. He reached out to me. We're going to try to do the podcast eventually, but he reached out to me, and I just saw like his face in Facebook, and then I saw a picture of him at like one of these, uh, you know, brewer fests, you know, some sort of a fest recently, and he's like squatting to make himself look. Yeah, you got to talk to Chet. He's he's the mayor probably of um, uh, of Chicagoland beer right now. Everyone knows Chet. Everyone loves Chet. Chet was another guy that was very, very helpful. To me, um, it's up in Roselle, right? That's Church Street. Is that up in Roselle or Church, Itasca? Or Itasca. Church Itasca. Street is in Itasca, and uh, they make um, they make a beer called the Heavenly Hellas, which is just absolutely, which is really delicious. Now that but, sounds like a classic that yeah. an old judge would like. Yeah, 
Chet, uh, I reached out to Chet like maybe six years ago, seven years ago, and um, this is when I was in my uh, my fanboy stage, calling breweries up and asking if I can just show up and you know rake grain out of mash tons or help clean and you know weird that i have a desire to do that uh, i do uh, well a lot of people do i was one of those one of those jagoffs that and i still am a jagoff but i don't uh, believe that but there was there was doing that and chet was one of the few guys that um he's like yeah you want to help out show up here at this time on the state so i did and then um i started helping church street with their with their events i was pouring beer for church street for a couple years so chet um, Chet is another one of those guys that I, have, I feel a ton of gratitude towards because he um, he didn't tell me to go pound sand when I when I was asking if I can. Help I love out. that phrase, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> go pound sand. That's awesome. And I've heard good things about him. He's actually he's doing it right now. I mean, you're, that's a great example that you just gave. But uh, if you listen to my podcast, uh, Energy City Brewing out in Batavia, a small little. They're open one Saturday per month. His name's David Files, and the dude makes amazing beer. Mm-hmm. And he brews four or five times a month. And I had him on the podcast. He's one of my most explosive episodes when I when I put it up. Like everybody loves it. Yeah. And Chet's um, Chet's had letting him scale up some of his some of his base recipes on his system. Yeah, that's cool. So just helping him out because he's selling out. You know, he's getting th- two three hundred people lining up on the first Saturday of every month for four hours, and he's selling out, opening at eleven and selling out by twelve. Uh, all bombers, 22 ounce, five different varieties. So now he's able to get his Russian Imperial and his base uh, New England's that he's doing in bigger batches now. And he's, and he's contracting at Church Street. Chet, I, I don't know what their setup is, but I just know Chet is allowing him at some point. You know, yeah. whether that be a, whatever yeah. it is, uh, but uh, it, it's it's helping a small thing grow into a better, bigger yeah. thing and. That way you avoid people being upset that they waited in line and they just ran out of beer. Yeah, Chet was a gateway for me. He, every time we went somewhere together, he went out of his way to introduce me to everybody that he knew. And which is probably a lot of people. Yeah, which is a lot of people. So, yeah, Ch- uh, Brett, uh Illinois Beer Giant. He's on. The, I think he's on the board. Of, I don't think. He's on the board of the Illinois Brewers Guild as well. He's a good, great guy. Yeah. I'm, hopefully I'll get him on the podcast. You know, I'll have to reach out to him this week. So back to John Brand. The John Brand story hasn't ended yet. John Brand is looking for a building now. He's looking at real estate. And he's got a thumbs up from the wife. She's yeah. smiling. I, I did. Um, I, I was in the futures industry for maybe eighteen, maybe eighteen years. Uh, I loved it. I Explain loved it. what that means. Okay, that you were in so the futures industry. Yeah. So um, I, I think the the best way most pe- most people identify futures and commodities with the movie Trading Places, right? So. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Concentrated Orange Juice Futures, right? So y- the yelling and screaming on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade, uh, that's the futures industry. It's where commodities are, are, are traded, right? Um, I was not on the floor. I've got to make that clear because everyone keeps calling me a former trader. I was not a former trader, but I was in the futures industry my entire career doing back office stuff, legal or compliance work, operational risk, Help, helping out with legal stuff. Um, I worked for the futures regulator for a while, uh, and there we did uh, compliance exams, fraud exams, some forensic work, um, which was fun, interesting. Uh, and then I worked for an exchange at one point, too, where we were bringing a... Uh, I don't know if this is going to mean anything, but we brought... Right after the financial crisis... It means everything. It means Just everything. go for it. Right after the financial crisis, when Dodd-Frank... And 
Uh, Dodd Frank. Yeah. Where have I heard that name yeah. before? Uh, I'll get the milkshake IPA. Other financial <laughs> regulators wanted to move what previously were uh, swap transactions that weren't cleared in central clearinghouses to to a central clearinghouse space, so that there was transparency in that market. And these were you've heard about credit default swaps. Um, yeah, you're way over my head, but also I get I kind of get the gist of what you're. Yeah. I'm probably killing this podcast it's right fine. now talking it's about fine. this stuff. But, um, There's going to be some guy out there that's in numbers and loves beer, and he's right. going to be like this fucking guy Warren inspires Bu- me. Warren <laughs> Buffett called credit default swaps weapons, financial weapons of mass destruction, and there was an exchange yeah. that actually provided the first clearinghouse for credit default swaps. This is back in 2009, 2010, and I worked there for a while, too. So I did all that shit for a long time. picturing the big short right now. That's Um, (laughs) The big short did talk a lot about credit default swaps. So if you've seen that movie or read that book, there's a little... I I was exposed to a lot of those characters uh, for a while. And while I loved the industry and I loved what I did, um, you know, I had this... I had two things going on. I got into beer around 2000... I think it was like 2003, 2004, when I had Breakfast Stout, Founders Breakfast Stout, oh for God. the first time. We, we talked about gateway beers before we jumped on here. Yeah, it's, was, a, it's a gateway beer. That it's was my a, gateway beer. It's a classic. Beer. I remember I bought it. I, I had it for the first time. Um, I bought it from a Trader Joe's when, we, when my wife and I were living downtown. And I, I remember drinking it and thinking... I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, I want to... Oh, I want to make this fucking show. How, how do you make this, right? So then for our wedding anniversary, she brought me a home homebrew class at a place called Bev Art that's down here on 102nd and Little did Western. she know. Yeah, and then it just got out of control after that. Uh, I also got this entrepreneurial bug as well. I just got sick of working for other people. Um, I've always been a workaholic. I've always um, been a little neurotic. And I thought that if I was going to work like this, maybe I should work for myself and see if I can if I can do it right. Um, so I got into homebrewing big time, hardcore, twelve years. Um, built a brewery, small brewery in my basement. Um, I was going to tr- say the one we're sitting in. No, <laughs> one in, yeah, one in your basement. Yes, I also brew. We lived down, we lived in the South Loop for a couple of years too. So I was brewing in the in a condo on the seventh floor of a condo, and I. Um, I modified all the plumbing underneath the sink to accommodate um, to accommodate a chiller. Uh, Handy as well. Yeah. Uh, no, kind I'm an of. accountant. I just, you just like, went for it. I just did shit, and I realized that I was going to fuck it up. But if I, I'm not going to learn how to do it until it, I fuck it up, right? Um, I like that. I like to just go for it. So that itch started to grow, and. I think like maybe four or five years ago, I was like, I really want, you know, I'm like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And then maybe three years ago, my wife's like, she's like, look, dude, like you need, you need (laughs) to do it because I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to listen to you bitch about this for the rest of your life. So either do it now or don't do it because you're going to get too old. You're going to be too old and you're going to realize it's too late and you can't do it. And plus we're still young enough where if you suck shit and the thing goes belly up that you probably can recover from it. Right. So. Um, so I started planning for it maybe three or four years ago. I started looking for real estate on Western Avenue three years ago. Um, I told my employer maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago, that I was going to do this. Um, they were a little in shock, but they were very supportive. They let me. Like, you sure about this one? Yeah, they John? were. They you looked sure? at me. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They're like, have you lost, have you lost your mind? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe. Maybe I have. I don't know. 
but I got to do it. I got to try it. So they were incredibly accommodating. They let me work um, part-time for a while while I bootstrapped this. And I was downtown a few days a week, still working. And then I'd get off the train and I'd come up here or I'd brew in the basement with Will. Uh, uh, and it was just, it was like for three years, it was, you know, 16, 17 hour days, uh, seven days a week for a very long time. Until That's we, nothing. That's Who needs nothing. sleep? Yeah. Who needs sleep? Yeah. And we had a baby too at the same time. So <laughs> oh, it gets better every time. I love these stories. But I got to tell you, um, jumping into that unknown and that fear has been incredibly liberating. And uh, I've never been so scared. But at the same time, I've never felt more fulfillment or satisfaction. And that's not because I know yet whether or not this thing's going to be successful or not. I just know that, you know, you kind of you, you face a fear and you look into the abyss, I guess, and you do it anyway. Um that gives you a little... Some reward there. Well, it gives you a little... Um, you realize that you could, you know, shit works out if you if you keep working, right? Yeah. But the thing, like, from, from the business perspective, uh, from what you were doing as an accountant, as a type A, as you described yourself, what does eight months of what you've gone through here open look like and what does eight months of what you've gone through open like this look like to the other side of you which is the brewer and the <laughs> and the owner and just that guy i mean yeah it's got to um, be two different perspectives right it's exposed my neuroticism because i can't leave i can't sleep uh i'm here all the time which is both good and bad um it's not super bad but i'm enjoying it i'm having so much i'm having so much fun i mean we've we, you know, just getting to talk to people every day and not being behind a computer every day. And so you're you're in the tap room, like you're in, like you're shaking hands, talking, uh, like, shaking hey, hands. What are you thinking? I'm doing like, a lot of that. Yeah, you like that one? Like yeah. the, the one thing that I'm, uh, the one thing that I wasn't prepared for was, uh, I thought that the brewing was going to be a little bit more of a partnership between Will and I, and I realized really quickly that son of a bitch, he right, took it. Well, I'm it, right? I'm doing everything. I'm everything from accounting to hr to payroll to managing the 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 bar the tap room um we have we have a kitchen here right so i've never worked in i've never Whole worked in a restaurant another before. thing right there, so yeah. uh i think the, the you know the biggest surprise was that i'm just not in the brewery as much as i wanted to and that's been the biggest disappointment it's been the hardest thing for me now luckily will is very competent and very good at what he does, and that's been a relief. But it still bugs me that I'm not able to be in there as much as I want to. I, but can I he do podcasts? That's the that's the real question. I, will, I, I asked Will he if he wanted to no join us. No interest in doing this. I, podcast. <laughs> I'm I asked glad he him makes great beer, though. He's like, no, fuck no, I don't want to do yeah. that. You do it, John. Oh, dude, he told me. I I reached out to him too, and he said, no, 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 I'm not doing John that. John will though. Yeah. John likes that. Yeah. No. Um, uh, your buddy Brady just walked in. Hey, Brady, shout out to Shy Beer Guy. Shy Beer Guy's a regular customer here, and uh, he's pretty awesome. Um, check him out. He's got his Facebook page. He's doing his live video reviews. He's doing all kinds of other stuff. But anyways, so so Will, Will, is it is it hard for you to kind of like, I want to get back yeah. there with him. and I wanna Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, and I, I've had Does that Does he walk in on you like shoveling grain out of there or anything? I get back there, I, I get back there as often as I, as I can. I'm back there like maybe, you know, for half a brew day once a week which talking to a lot of other guys that got into this the brew that found themselves 
not actually having the time to do the day-to-day stuff. Um, I'm getting back there just as much, if not more, than a lot of guys that complain about the right. same thing that yeah. I do. Right? Yeah. I did realize after, I think it was the third or fourth day after we opened, and um, it became clear that the public was utilizing the space more as a restaurant than a brewery tap room, right? Like, like I knew we were, had elements of a brew pub because we had food, but after day three, it was folks were coming in here thinking that they were getting a full-service restaurant experience. And I remember turning to whoever the hell I was standing next to, and I said, God, I'm running a goddamn restaurant. Like, I didn't know that that was the business I was getting into. But um, you take what you're given. Sometimes, you you know, it, I feel very fortunate. People keep coming back, and they keep uh, – we have we, we've developed regulars, and we have folks coming in here with their family every week now and eating. So I'm, I feel fortunate. But I didn't know that I was getting into um, the restaurant business, too. Which was kind of a surprise. Wait a minute, well. what happened here? Maybe I, people listening to this are going to think that I'm a moron. What the hell did he think he was getting into? I, I don't know. I don't think I, anyone's thinking that. I had never done this before, so, I, but I'm, I was smart enough to know that you take what you're given. So, uh, we're running with it, and so far, so far it seems to be going pretty good. Now, did I did I miss something, or did we not cover it yet? That where did the pizza come in, or where did the, the restaurant portion of this come in? How did that? When get tacked on, kind of. It was it was very clear from uh, from talking to folks. Hey Brady, how are you? Nice to see you. Hey, we got we got the shy beer guy here. You want you want to say hi real quick? Well, we'll get back to our story about food in a second. Let's say hi to Brady. My name is Brady. I'm I'm in influencer marketing, social media marketing. Um, I recently started my own uh, beer page, Beerstagram, if that's what you want to call it, whatever it may be. Um, in addition to that, I do have a Facebook page that I'm uh, putting out content on regularly. Um, you know, something I, I, I actually uh, came here to talk to both of you about, which was uh, beer banter. It's a, a talk show of sorts that I plan to, much like your podcast, uh, like Joe's podcast here, that I plan to launch very soon. You know, just regular beer banter that, uh, that I feel everybody everybody enjoys and needs every once in a while. So. Cool. Well, nice seeing you. I met I met Brady about about two months ago. He's uh, he's 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 been a good customer. He comes in here uh, once a week or once every other week with a couple of your buddies, and um, we've talked a lot about. Brady's given me some advice on how to use social media uh, effectively, and uh, I've taken a lot of tips from him on on how to get a little bit better at uh, our social media um, posts and the, and the way we the way we navigate the different platforms. I had to get Brady on. I've been talking to Brady for uh, on social media for the last I don't know a month or so, and we've been trying to get something together. And he showed up. Uh, he said he's kind of a regular here. He comes coming here every couple of, couple of times a month. So I wanted to get him on to, to say hello and uh, pump what he's doing because he's doing some awesome stuff. He seems to have some editing skills on the video side and uh, whatever he's doing there. Um, I think it's something that's that's worth talking about. So. Sorry. Well, get, let's get back to it, John. We talked about pizza. We talked about the the, the kitchen, the burgers, yeah. everything. So you yeah. kind of the fee- when, the feedback from the folks in the neighborhood was that they wanted another um, another amenity where they could not only um, drink because there's plenty of drinking options on Western Avenue. I don't know how familiar you are with oh. the street, but um, looks like it. But a place that had some food options as well, and that was crystal clear to me a couple years ago when I first started kind of informally talking to folks on what it was that they wanted or what what everyone thought we needed in this neighborhood now never having worked in the restaurant business before 
that was terrifying, but people made it clear what they wanted. So I actually, I had a friend that was, his name is Cesar Lopez, and he was the head chef at a place called Fuller House in, in Hinsdale, and they had a Neapolitan-style uh, pizza-centric menu as well. And Caesar has Guess a who works in Hinsdale and goes to Fuller House on a regular basis? Okay, Myself. So you, okay, so I don't know how long you had been going there, but Caesar pretty much designed that menu, and he developed most of the recipes there for, the, uh, for, their, for their pizzas. So um, we started talking a couple years ago, and I said, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, I don't want to run a kitchen. I don't know how to run it. I have no interest in learning how to do it. I don't think it'd be something I'd be good at. Why don't you think about joining me in this project? And uh, at first he told me, he was like, no, dude, I'm good. That, like, I, I like working here. We've got a good thing going here. And um, I just kept working on him for a year and a so half. you were like pushing him. Like, oh, yeah. I dude, Hinsdale yeah. sucks, man. <laughs> that ain't Southside. <laughs> uh, and he's a LaGrange guy. So... Um, I also worked there too. Yeah, so the, so the commute was good for him, and uh, he just wasn't interested. And I just kept working on him, and because uh, his food's so good, it's really good. I mean, he's just a good chef. How he long makes, ago was this? Uh, maybe two and a half. Yeah, I've probably years, eat, maybe I've three probably years eaten ago. His food then. Yeah, <laughs> maybe three. Yeah, yeah. two and a half. I, I don't. Uh, the, the, the the last couple of years have been a little fuzzy, but it was maybe two imagine. and a half years ago. Um, and finally, one day he's like, "Yeah, fine, let's do this." So he actually moved to this neighbor he moved in the apartments across the street and uh he jumped he jumped all in and he runs that kitchen great i mean the the, the, the feedback on the food has been uh has been just as positive as the feedback on the beer i've seen a lot of pictures so of hazy beers and, and, and delicious pizzas pizza. yes. yeah so it's been really good it's it um um i'm i'm i feel very fortunate that he's working here and that he's brought what he his experience and his skills in the kitchen to to this place and uh, I don't think we would we would not be anywhere where we're at without him and his expertise and skills as a chef for sure. When you started this, were you like definitely going to have food, or was that just all based on feedback? Where, was that something that you even thought about? Initially, going no. In? Initially, Initially, no. Like, I just uh, you know like I just want to make beer. I just want to brew beer. Yeah, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. But again, you got to listen to what people are asking for and be be adaptable and be flexible and be willing to call audibles when necessary that's probably key to any business right so i heard it loud and clear from everybody in this community so i tried to come up with ways to do it that didn't expose my lack of experience in, as a restaurant guy and caesar was the answer to that so that's why i came at him hard i uh, i i wore him down yeah, I mean, you you hire. I questioned his man, I questioned his manhood. That boy. Yeah. That's how you that do. That's works. how you get it done. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what you said to Will. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't know what to say to Will because we come because, like I said, he's he's a hippie and I'm not. So <laughs> we just had to learn how to communicate with each other first before. Seems like it's working out. It's working out. Okay. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about like that uh, that that thought process of taking in a little feedback. I mean, you know, you can't ignore. You can't ignore what people want. So that plays right into uh, the hazy IPA. I mean, that's is that something you guys have been brewing since day one? Yeah. Since your eight-month eight yeah. period? That's as something soon, that Will's it, always been interested as in? Soon as, like day one. I think the first time Will and I brewed together in my basement almost two years ago, um, I think that it might have been the first thing we brewed. He's like, he started bringing over some other commercial examples of hazy IPAs because at that time, this is two, maybe two years ago, 
Uh, I'd had a few, but like local I, or East Coast. Uh, like he, he's, uh, they, they were East Coast, yeah. right? So Treehouse. So he kind brought of the, a, he, the pinnacle type he, stuff. He brought a Treehouse over to my house, and first time I had it, and it, when it blew my fucking mind, I'm like, how do you? How the You're fuck like, wait, do you, you can do this? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's let's do this. So, um, so I think the first time we brewed together, it might have been it might have been New England. Really, and, that's um, interesting. And most, I would say, the lion's share of the beers that we were brewing in my basement. Again, we were we were brewing maybe two times a week, sometimes three times a week. And um, I would say the lion's share of them were New England IPAs because uh, he turned he's the one that turned me onto it and uh, and started exposing me to all these crazy beers that uh, at the time I hadn't had before. How hard was that for you? To, is is you know you talked about being a judge at one point and and just like. I didn't used to li- that classic style. Like, how hard was that to you to be well, like? Why does t- it look like shit? Why does I it look t- like orange <laughs> I, juice? When, when when traditionalists bitch and complain about some of the trends in beer right now, I empathize a little bit. I, I get it, but um, uh, this is what people want. And frankly, if you drink, they're pretty. They taste pretty fucking good. I mean, well, goddamn right, right they do. They taste so, awesome. So, um, would it? Would I have been his experimental if Will and I? didn't hook up probably not no but um i mean i i'm not stupid <laughs> this is what people want and frankly i'm hooked now like this, usually when i go into a place when i go to another brewery one of the first beers i'm ordering is i want to i want to try their hazy ipa yeah, we'll if you got one, like. yeah. Let's try it out yeah. yeah i was just at i was at horse thief last week and um had their uh, parallel universe, which is their hazy IPA, and it's it's fucking it's fantastic. Out of it's this really, world, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, it's usually the first beer I order when I walk into some other. I'm trying them all. House. I'm trying yeah. them all. If I see them, I, I don't know. That and that, you know, the big dessert stout. Which, speaking of which, you guys have some. You guys have a, a peanut butter stout. Yeah. Right now we have. Yeah. Right now we have the Charles Charles Ponzi peanut butter imperial stout. Love, I love the, the beer yeah. names, and obviously people are probably starting to make that connection now to the story that you just told. That's uh, a, yeah. That's exactly. This is right. where the beer names come from. Yeah. These are all the. These are all the words that were in my professional lexicon for the last eighteen years or so. So I, not everyone gets them, but it's it's a nice conversation starter. People ask like, what do all these fucking stupid names mean? And I get to explain it to them and money. Like, oh okay I get it. Money. I, well it provides me an opportunity to tell my story too, which then provides me the opportunity for me to explain to people uh, why I got it why I'm doing this and um, you know why I love this business and why I love what I'm doing and it, and it's a real nice gateway into that conversation. So the names do reflect my my history and my, my background. Your question, the, the, the Imperial stuff that we have on, on right now is the Charles Ponzi. Um, again, it's the same base grain bill as our other Russians and our other, um, the other ones that we've done. Uh, but this one, the adjunct, was the peanut butter. And I think it's the fourth, I think it's the fourth, fourth one we've done now. The first one was in the money, which was with maple syrup, um, organic maple syrup. Second was vanilla. Organic. I like you had to add that in We there. did use organic, yeah. We're not savages. We used organic. We used organic maple syrup, which didn't make it any cheaper, but... Um, <laughs> nothing does. Nothing does. Uh, we used, Then we did uh, the vanilla strategy, so we ordered a, a bunch of grade A Madagascar vanilla beans, which I then learned that also apparently... Cheap. There was apparently in the last year, there is a, a, uh, a, a shortage in supply and... Uh, Madagascar vanilla beans. I'd like to throw up air quotes around that. Shortage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, no, no, there were, yeah, there really was. 
things with the storms and things that went through, I guess, or what, and just not growing. Yeah. So I know what I paid for them, and then when the box showed up and it was the size of a of a shoe box, I was like, well, "Are you?" F- that's it, huh? That's yeah. all I get. But a little, a little, uh, a little vanilla goes a long way, so it yeah. turned out it turned out pretty good. It's true. And, and then we did um, uh, we did um, coconut convergence, which was um, with uh, shredded coconut. So we ordered uh, shredded coconut, and we did you toast that coconut we as didn't, well? We no. didn't toast it. We just took the shredded coconut. Okay. We we put it in paint strainer bags, and we hung them inside the um, inside the bright tank. I and, watched uh, Roger do that the other day. And and what's yeah. what's really fun about these beers is that is that they they change so fast. So the first week they taste like X, and then the next week they change they taste like X plus Y. And it's fun having conversations with the folks that are coming in here every week, and they say, "I just had this beer five days ago, and it tastes it tastes." incrementally different yeah. and in many times many cases they say it tastes incrementally better uh so it's really fun to see how these beers are changing you start to settle into time. like a sweet spot i think you know they're, they're, they do seem to they do seem to move on a bell curve uh luckily for us um luckily for us we we've, we've been moving beer through the system pretty quick so we haven't i mean we're, we're going through you know two or three of these bright tanks a week so it's crazy it's, crazy. Uh, it, it's been knock on wood i mean yeah. we're, we're happy about that and that also provides us more of an opportunity to be to do some more experimenting too because we get to we get to brew two times sometimes three three times a week yeah it's got to be good and mm-hmm. you try everything you try everything so. So but but look these are only five barrel bright tanks it's not like we're it's not like we're pushing through 15 barrel bright tanks Every, every yeah, time. it was pretty good at eight months. You know, I mean, at the, the time you've been open and you're moving through beer. I mean, it, I I can tell, but your business side is nervous. Like, am I meeting these demands? Am I putting <laughs> am I putting out enough beer? Are you overworking Will? Is he okay? Um, is he tied up in the back? I, I, I'm sure Will will give you a different answer than me. Uh, no, I think I think everybody, except except for me, who again, I'm just neurotic uh i think everyone everyone here has been working their ass off but um everyone here also has family the the staff here is a little bit older so we all have families and um other obligations outside of work so um we've done a good job here i think of of maintaining work-life balances for most folks speaking of that let's uh who did i meet right before we started is that Lindsay? Lindsay, Lindsay Landine, yeah. Give her some love. She she seems like she does some things around Lin- here. Lindsay Landine, I think, may have saved my life because w- I That's didn't have bold. A, we didn't have a manager for the first, I think, month and a half, and um, I I think I almost I think I was a day away from having an aneurysm from just working so much, and um, I got to give another I got to give more credit to uh, Neil down at Horse Thief, who's been very helpful to me the last couple of years. And I called him up and I'm like, listen, dude, like I'm dying. I can't do this. I can't work 18 hour days anymore. I'm like, do you know anybody? I need a manager. And he's like, I know who you should talk to. And Lindsay, who's been in the game for a long time, she was kind of thinking about getting, she was out of beer for a couple of years. She was doing her own event planning business. And um, he got me in contact with her because she was thinking about getting back in the game. And we met for two days and hung out for a while, and we just hit it, hit it off. And now I can, I can, I mean, yesterday I think I was here for two or three hours because she was here, and um, she's taking a lot, a lot of pressure off me for sure. A little more com- comfortability. Maddie. She's great, yeah. And she, she's like I said, she's been in beer for a long time. Uh, she knows a lot of folks in the industry, and she's, um, she's introduced to me. To, she's introduced me to a lot of people. She's also, she also has more experience running bars. Uh, so I've learned from her as well. Um, 
on some of the operational efficiencies that you can realize in running a There's bar. There's so much more than people realize that happens. I don't. I think this is a real business. I mean, people don't. People think you know, like they're they're, they're starting a club when they open up a bar, right? But it's not. It's a, it's a business, and you can run it like a club, but you probably won't be in business for a long time. Yeah. Um, but um, I didn't have that experience, and she again helped me. Yeah. Sounds there, like she, she's done some things. Lower my learning curve a little bit, yeah. yeah. It's a bonus. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about uh, where you came from and where Will came from and, and your staff. So what's going on now? What, what are you doing here eight months in? What, what's, uh, what, what are some of the big events, some of the stuff you got planned in the future? So we're going to continue um, continue to fill these barrels just because, again, that's what people are asking for and because it's just a shit ton of fun. Um so the barrel program will probably continue to grow. Um, we, like I said earlier in the in, in the conversation, we're going to buy some more tanks. Uh, we we are having a little bit of a hard time keeping up, so we're going to get a few more tanks in here. Uh, we more start beer, more better. More right. Um, we're looking at um, uh, potentially expanding the the footprint of the of the tap room. Because I, um, there's a few other units in this building that we could that we have a, a, an option to take over. I was too, curious so. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're looking we're looking at that. Um, but honestly, like you don't want to like I, I'm I'm a little fearful of. It's still early. It's eight months, right? And there are a lot of question marks in in beer right now. There's a lot of a lot of people entering the space and. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see where beer is at in the next couple of years and how many players are in the space in the next 12, 24, 36 months. So uh, I, I, do, I don't want to overdo it too soon. It's still a little early. So I think Will and I talk about this all the time, and Lindsay and I talk about this all the time. We just want to keep really honestly just focusing on dialing in the, the brew house and making sure that we're making the best beer possible before we grow or at least attempt to grow. Um, I don't know how much growth is going to be. Who knows how much growth is going to be available in the next couple of years? Um, but I do know this: if you're making, everyone says this: if you're making great beer, you're probably going to be okay. So we've we're only been doing this for eight months. So let's just make sure that we're making really good beer, the best beer that we're able to make. And so far, so good. And, thank you, and and keep and keep building brand equity and keep building trust with the people that are coming in here, knowing that they come in, that that they're going to get quality for their dollars. Um, and if in one year, two years, or three years we're still we're still here and we're still doing it, then then maybe it's more responsible and pragmatic to think about some growth then. But right now, I just want to I just want to make sure that we're putting the best product out that we can. So, what's your approach to to kind of connecting with the people? I mean, this whole podcast is based around connecting with your beer drinker is my thought process is to get these brewers and these owners and these taproom managers whoever to to connect with the people that are that they're handing through that invisible barrier that is from behind the bar to the bar <laughs> I mean to the guy on the other side of the bar like what what's your approach to social media and marketing and and just getting to meet everybody and getting to talk to everybody and find feedback uh, well the so the you probably know this but you can't you can't sell anything or you let me take a you can't fool anybody anymore if you're not genuine in what it is you're trying to do 
In other words, you don't love, you're not getting into beer because beer's cool right now or popular right now, and you're not getting into beer because people think you can make a buck for doing it. The folks that are doing that, it's pretty transparent, right? So first of all, you got to be genuine. You got to ha- you got to be sincere in what it is you're doing. You truly got to love this stuff, and and I do. So, um, our social media hopefully reflects that. the 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 content that we put up and the pictures that we take really try to represent what's going on in the tap room here, and free throw contests. Free throw contests, yeah, yeah for sure. Which you crushed, for by sure. the way. I <laughs> um, got great form. Great form. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that's my seventh grade basketball coach, Jim Col- Jim Kolbacher, Summit Hill Junior High. What parish is he from? Uh, that was St. Anthony's, actually. <laughs> there you actually. go. There you go. Um, we talk in parishes on the south side. Yeah. Um, I, I think any, so that, that comes through in social media or your, your, your marketing efforts, right? If you're not in this for genuine or sincere reasons, I think people can call bullshit on that. So hopefully uh, every piece of content that we put up is truly a, a representation of what's going on that day or how we feel that day or trying to document what it is that we're, is going on in the tap room every day so that people can see that, um, you know, that, that, that there's really positive, fun, interesting things happening here. And it's, and if, even if you're not into beer, it's still a fun place to hang out. And I hear that a lot too, that people are coming in and they're like, you know, I don't, I'm really not into craft, but, um, you guys always seem to be having fun in there. So we, we, we came in and gave it a shot, and we had a good time, and the energy in here seems to be really good. And you so. have food, so that helps, too. And we have food, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. helps, too. Um, so the approach to social media, I think, was your your, yeah. your, your huh. question. It was it's, it's We're just trying to tell our, our story and be genuine in doing it. And so if that's me out there i go out there and shoot free throws every once in a while because it's cathartic for me i feel like that had to get that got a good response for me initially just mentally i looked at it and i was like that's great that's yeah, cool he's just yeah. out there and with it, a beer a lot of people a couple free throws it's so. the most shit talking that i've seen on a, on a facebook or instagram yeah. post that we've made yeah, nick. Yeah, and we'll, nick we'll call nick out on that one um but those are the type of you know trying to document what we're doing here and, and hopefully people um you know buy into or think that what we're trying to do here is genuine and and that that helps us build brand and brand equity with people and uh they can see that uh we're sincere you know most people tell you not everybody but they're you don't most people don't get into beer to get rich because you just really you really don't (laughs) you don't um if anything you take a vow of poverty getting into this given getting into this business so i mean this for me was starting my own business and getting out of the corporate world and trying to, you know, build and grow something myself and do it, um, do it in a, in an industry that are filled with really great people and a lot of folks that I liked. And it's something that I really enjoyed, enjoyed doing and and try to make a enough money to pay your, pay your mortgage and your bills at home. Just, just survive and then enjoy the company. Right. there's some amazing people in this industry, and that's the whole purpose behind what I'm doing and why I'm sitting in front of you right now. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thought. I mean, what a great industry. I mean, we talked about Brando for a little while, mm-hmm. I mean, but how many other people besides Chet and Brando? I mean, a ton. Have you come I mean, across. I, um, uh, I'll men- so I mentioned Neil and David Horsley. They're great. Um, the guys in One Trick Pony. They were helpful to me as well. Uh, and by the way, it, these are all Southside breweries. That, that Lansing? Is that in Lansing? Lansing, yeah. yeah they're in Lansing. Uh, the Blue Island Beer Company guys, Alan and Brian, 
um, again, helpful, great. They 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 gave they threw some support at us when we were trying to get open, and you know these are all people that are within the same geographical footprint of us. And um, what's good for one is good for the other. Instead of what you know mentally you would think, be like, no, 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 competition. We gotta. Well, we uh, gotta win this one. Yeah, that the rising tide raises all ships. Things I thing I th- I, st- I think still is true in beer, right? Is that going to change as more and more people enter the space? It probably it probably already has. I've heard from folks that have been in this business for a long time that it is it is already changing a little bit. Um, but there's still even though there's still no industry I'm aware of where there's as much collaboration and communal, um, genuine communal outreach as there is in, in beer that, that I've experienced. I have yet to really run into a jag-off in this industry. I like uh, it. Except for yourself. You except for me. You claim that you are a jag-off. Except for I me. I don't buy yeah. it, but... Yeah. Um, so you said a word that's really big in, in the beer world, collaboration. We got any of those? Uh, are we working on those? Are we planning those? We are, yeah. Um, we haven't done one yet. Uh, really? No. We haven't had time. We're slacking. <laughs> we haven't had time, but we want to. Um, the guys from Burnham out oh, in yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Michigan City. I don't know if they're, it's a Michigan City address or not, but they're right outside of Michigan City. Right. Uh, we're, we're talking about doing something with them. Um, th- those are good guys. They've, they've been in here a few times, and I've been out there a few times. Uh, we're, we're talking about doing something with Neil and Dave at Horse Thief because we share the same uh, zip code and the same address, and um, this community is really rallied around both them and us uh so we thought it would be fun to try to do something fun and collaborative and and you know something fun that we think everyone in the neighborhood would like um and we talked to a few other places too but they're preliminary um um they'll happen naturally they'll happen naturally i've heard i've heard so we we talked a little bit bit about the south side mentality we talked about a little bit about this neighborhood combined with the recent uh, South Side parade that, that you guys kind of partied down a little bit with. So talk about a little bit about s- some of the events that are coming up maybe. Like, do you guys do, like, beer and yoga, like, things like that? Do you ever clear out the tap room, the brew pub for any uh, I'm in, yeah, extraneous I'm in the, events like that? I've been in the yes business since, we, since we've opened. So if there's a business in the neighborhood that sees a collaboration opportunity uh, or wants to use the tap room space, uh, for one of their events, it's yes, yes, for sure. Do you hear that? Yes. So we've done, we've partnered with a few of the different yoga studios in the neighborhood, and they've done classes here. Uh, we've partnered with some of the um, um, with some of the running clubs who, ha- who start a run and end a run here in the tap room. We've done some joint events with the Beverly Arts Center, which is an amazing amenity for not only this neighborhood, but for the South Side in general uh, and the support that they provide the art, arts community. We've done things with them, which has been, uh, which has been a ton of fun. We've done, um, we've worked with the, uh, with the arts community, which by the way, there is a growing arts community down in this neighborhood that I suspect existed for a long time, but they really seem to be kind of coming into their own in the last couple of years. And that's th- that's been driven primarily by the Beverly Arts Center and the Beverly Area Art Alliance. It's run by uh, a number of people, but the main drivers is a woman named Sal Campbell and Monica Wilzak. And they have done some really tremendous things, like started the Beverly Art Walk, which is done in the late summer, early fall every year. We've done stuff with them, which has been a lot of fun. Um, 
the bookies bookstore here in the neighborhood. We do book clubs here on Sundays. So I can go on and on, but if, if anyone wants to use this tap room, the answer is yes. Get in here. Well, we uh, we do feel like this is a, a community space. So if they want to come in here and use the tap room, provided it's not Friday night at 7.30 at our peak time and they want to have a book club when the jukebox is on. but Might get a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, it, it's 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 really helped us, too, because it's built some equity with the neighborhood and i think they see that we're genuine and trying to make this a community place too and, and it's been, it's been like that's a theme between guys like you this that, that you you get into the community and you're part of it and you want to kind of show that you're part of it and you're not not just there you're a contributing member of it yeah for sure and that goes back to the beginning of the conversation of what, like what this neighborhood is I, again there's not many places i think like this anymore and it feels good to be a part of it and feel like you're contributing to it. And now you're talking about this space. Um, I don't want to bore people too much, but uh, talk about the tables and stuff. You guys, you got some awesome wood in this place. Thank you. you. Great, Thanks for like, noticing. Yeah. That, yeah. Thank you. We hear that Sorry, a lot. I don't mean to be gross, but yeah. aside from your endowment, uh, how about the, you just got a new so table, right? So I feel wanna, like I saw it on social media. You want to talk about our wood. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about your wood. Okay. We talked a little bit about you. What, what did he? What did your guy say? Just shitty enough? The perfect something? amount of shitty. The perfect so, amount of shitty. So my buddy Jared Zubati, who um, who runs a, uh, he's a furniture maker, and he uses primarily he uses re- reclaimed materials. Him and I, a couple years ago, again, when, when I f- first started, like when, when I got to the place where this was a go, um, I wanted to be as hands-on with the build-out of this place as possible. So him and I started driving down to central Illinois and pulling wood off barns. And um, for the tables, there was a hardware store in a town called Colfax, Illinois. It's right outside of Pontiac. I remember we had to drive through Pontiac to get there, and we went down there a bunch of times. And these, all these tables were made with the floor joists from this hardware store. And the hardware store, according to, I didn't call, my buddy called, I don't know if it was the town of Colfax or the police department, or they talked to somebody in Colfax, Illinois, and they said that the hardware store was built in the 1880s. So, um, old growth, first the first forested pine in central Illinois, like in the 1800s, right? So, it was, it was really amazing stuff to work, and this, and this stuff had been sitting out in the, sitting out in the elements for the last couple of years. So, um, we brought it back up here. He had a, a kiln i didn't know you you dry wood in a kiln before you build apparently, furniture with it apparently and um, i don't have my i'm a few credits shy of my uh, uh wood wood degree uh-huh. but and he so 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 again jared's the expert on this i i was more i acted more of his apprentice but um we spent about a year putting these tables together one by one using this the these four joists from this hardware store and um when you cut this stuff if you, I don't know if you ever cut or worked with like old growth pine before. It's not like the pine you get in right, Menards or Home Right, it's not like cheap, uh, flimsy, cracking half pine. No, the density of the stuff is incredible. It's a tougher. And it's the smell coming off this stuff was like nothing I've ever smelled before. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot doing that too because I had never really worked with wood before. If that's what she said. Hey, and, he, and, he got um, himself first. See? Right, and um, that's a Type A personality. See, <laughs> he even beat me to his own joke. Um, so yeah, so the tables we built, and then you'll see a lot of the other design elements are uh, this this um, uh, I think it's crib board. It's five inch crib board. So I don't know. These were pulled off corn cribs, 
some of it was pulled off corn cribs and some of it was um, shiplap from uh, old barns down there that Jared had. Jared's part of that network. He's in that community. Uh, he's in that community. <laughs> he's in the, he's in the, the American Pickers community. Yeah, that's right. So using his network, we drove around and found barns that were that that apparently that apparently farmers are making a lot of money selling the barns on their I land. I hope they are. I and hope they are. We're buying. We're all buying. We're all buying it. Yeah. So talk about the logo a little bit. I love how the logo's burned into things mostly, which looks awesome. Yeah. So talk about how you came up with the logo a little bit. Um, my college roommate is a very talented graphic designer. Uh, he specialized in doing branding and 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 mark and logo work in for mostly for artisanal businesses, so like coffee shops and you know breweries and that those type of businesses right and he was he's been doing this in denver for the last 10 years uh, i called him up and and said hey will you help me um will you help me design a, a mark and a branding that tells my story like i wanted uh, this is a chicago brewery i was in the futures industry for a while so i'd like it to represent that but i'd also like it to be um authentic and um symbolize chicago history and chicago industry i'm a you know i like i'm a chicago history guy buff guy too so he made me fill out a 20 page questionnaire (laughs) awesome yeah and um and just talk about what i wanted the the brand to represent and it came down to is this a psych test or is this a well that (laughs) is a brand is is a type a guy and a former accountant he made it really easy for me so he gave me a 20 page questionnaire which i meticulously completed and sure, with a number two pencil. So spell yeah. checked it, and I did a grammar check on it. And um, uh, it ultimately represents, it's a Chicago brewery that, um, that you know, loves Chicago history, Chicago architecture, Chicago industry. Uh, started by uh, a guy that came from the futures industry. So if you look at it one way, it's wheat or barley. And if you look at it in another way, it represents Chicago architecture. So a lot of folks pick out the Sears Tower if you look at it a, yeah. a different way. Yep. Staring at it over your shoulder right now. Right. Trying to see how artsy I am. Yeah, that's a, it's a nice conversation starter, too. Uh, but again, that was Pete's, Pete, my college roommate, he did that. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Well done. Yeah. And it looks great in yellow, too. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to make note that... Um, you know, you, you said you, you wanted the, the logo itself and, and this place in general to, um, you know, uh, essentially show your, your story, you being from Chicago. And um, it reflects, you know, we, we talked briefly about social media. I just want to say that it reflects in your social media that you are from Chicago and it's very warming and welcoming. And I can tell you just from coming in here and me being a Southside guy myself that you do that very well. Um, and for those people that have never been in here, you know, uh, this place is the perfect combination of, of rustic, you know, somewhat rustic combined with new age, uh, you know, brewery style, which is really, really cool. And uh, that logo just, uh, you know, adds to that in, in, a very, uh, in a very cool way. So I just wanted to make note of that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for saying. You said something about... Um the, you know, the, 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 a welcoming place. Um, the staff here, I spent, a, most of these people here I know, I've known for a while, or I've known their families for a while. And it was 
super important that everyone working here is buys into this community, right? Is, is views their job here as servicing the folks um, in this community because these are our, our initial constituents, right? That they genuinely like beer, love beer, love beer culture, uh, but but mostly are just nice and pleasant, right? Like if you're Dan if was awesome, by the way. Dan, yeah, I sat down. Dan was just like, dude, oh, first time in. Oh, you know, he, yeah, just, he didn't know I was here to do anything special. He just, you know, he just was really cool and wanted to help me find the right beer for me and make sure I liked the place and gave me a menu, all that. Yeah, that's been a priority from day one. So that's the third leg on the three-legged stool of this place. Another type A yeah. corporate douchebag <laughs> term. Sorry about that, but. Um, I like to talk streamlines, hardwiring, <laughs> bottlenecks, yes, bottlenecks, um, out trades. Uh, Anywho, <laughs> no, the, so service, the food and the beer, right? And the service is just as important. Now we don't, just like any other place, we're not, we don't, you know, we don't do it. We don't, we don't get it. We, we don't win a hundred percent of the time. But I, I do feel like the folks. Nobody does, John. That's nobody a secret. Does. That's no, a but that's secret the goal. In the beer world. And and I've told people here that if you're not. You know, if you don't have gratitude for the fact that people are coming in here and spending money when there's so many other f- so many other choices to go, uh, not only spend your discretionary dollars in, in bars and restaurants, but now in beer, right, then you don't ha- you can't work here because um, you're not be- an exclusive club. No, not, there's there's yeah. there's so many other options. And plus, we, you should feel gratitude that people want to come in here and spend time here and spend their their money here. So. Uh, that that's something that we try really really hard to do here, and the, and the feedback on the service has been pretty good too. If you look at our feedback on social media platforms, do you look at that? Do you look at you? Unfortunately, hard not to sometimes. Unfortunately, I do. I really do. Um, probably more than I should. Yeah, it's I've heard that from a lot of guys. To say like, I'll admit it. There's a lot of guys that say, oh, "I don't give a shit. I don't read that stuff." But you you have to because it's a, even if even though people are a little bit more volatile and brash on social media because they have the benefit of hiding behind or saying things that you wouldn't say in front of somebody it's still a canary in the coal mine for what's going on in your place because if there is a trend of people saying your beer sucks or your food sucks or your you know, the staff working there is a bunch of sh- bunch of shitheads um even if that review was left because a server had a bad day but if you see a pattern of that it probably means something oh, yeah. right so i do read that. it it's like sabermetrics almost for you. <laughs> I read all of it. I read all of it sometimes at 3 or 4 o'clock. I was reading it last night at 2.30 in the morning, and I flipped through over to Instagram, and who did I see live on did Instagram see the shy beer night? guy doing something? I saw the shy beer, saw guy, the doing shy a, beer guy doing a live that's show last heard. night. Uh-huh. Like, dude, live beer t- review? It's 2.30 in the morning. You're that's doing why, a live that's why I wanted him to talk a little bit. Hopefully things in the future he and I will be able to work on here. This was just kind of an introduction piece but yeah he's yeah. doing good things so, so i don't know if it's healthy to be reading that stuff as much as i, I do, heard i think uh i think it was brent from uh st aaron when, when i talked to them he was he talked about uh and, and roger over at st aaron they mentioned that sometimes then they read those uh untapped reviews or something at like 10 30 before they go to bed it's worse than if they read them at 10 a.m oh, for and sure then they <laughs> you get nauseous sometimes <laughs> he's like if they do in the morning then at least i know that i can kind of do something to forget about it but if i'm doing it at night i'm sitting in bed going did we over adjunct that did we know did we do you know yeah. it's kind of it's kind of crazy yeah. so what would you tell what would you tell the person who's never been in open on cry how would you 
how would you describe what they're getting into yeah. if they they just happen to stumble on you on Google or be in the area? It's it's so people should know that it's not a full service restaurant experience, and that was a challenge for us when we first opened. That folks would come in, and I think they were they initially wanted to utilize the space like they were coming into a full service restaurant. They were expecting a hostess, uh, they were expecting someone to take their food order, uh, and that's really not who we are. And we try we spend a lot of time trying to educate people and explain to them that. We didn't want to be that. Like we, we, this is a, a a better beer experience, and that also offers um, upmarket and hopefully high quality uh, cuisine and, and food options as well. So it's a semi-casual experience where you come in. We have a lot of communal seating here. Um, it's open seating, so you grab a seat, which we have found has been problematic on on busy nights and i and then i'll go up in the front and try to direct traffic and help people find seats which is fun i i I like it it gives me an opportunity to talk to people but uh you'll come in you'll grab a seat we have full service on the drinks so we have we do cocktailing on the floor so um a server if you're sitting at a table a server will come up and take your order um and run the drink for you and then they should be directing you to the indoor food truck that we have. So we have a food truck inside here where you'll go up to the side of the food truck. You'll place your order. Uh, usually it's Chef Caesar standing there taking orders uh, inside the food truck. And, and it absolutely looks like a food truck. In case you're confused right now at home thinking. Well, well it's actually a truck. <laughs> it's so actually we, a truck. We pull the truck. In the building. Yeah, we pull the truck out of a, out of a junkyard. And then I... Uh, donated the truck to a suburban fire department who I won't name because they probably don't want me to. That's fine. Uh, and then they used the truck as one of their uh, exercises where they pulled out the, the plasma torches and the tools <laughs> and sliced, yeah. sliced the side of it off. And then they, they brought it back here and we mounted it up on the wall. So you place your order at the food truck um, and then we have expo folks or another term I learned now that I'm in, now that I'm quote industry. Yeah. Right. So we have expo folks then that run the food out to your table. Expo folks. We'll call them food runners. Food runners. Uh, I thought saying expo folks. Servers. I thought saying expo folks would make me sound like I knew what I was talking about. It might, it might, but not to me. Because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) Those in the, those in the industry know what you're talking about. It's short for expediter. Expediter. For for those that, uh, that, you know, aren't too familiar. I, I, I have restaurant experience myself. I've been in the, the industry for, you know, a little over 11 years, almost 12 years. Uh, so I've had my fair share of experience working all aspects of the job. Okay. But, uh, so did I use that right? Yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, crushed it. Crushed it. Uh, we, um, uh, our servers here also, all our servers have uh, have passed the BJCP, no, I'm sorry, not BJCP, the Cicerone Certified Beer Server go. There it test. is. Um, I'd like everyone to pass the BJCP, but I don't, I don't think I can put people through that. So Then they would hate all the hazy beers, though. They would hate all the <laughs> hazy beers. Although, uh, I just read somewhere that I think the committee is looking at adding that I'm as an official BJCP category. Yeah. Uh, so you may be seeing that. I think they, up, they last updated it what two years ago to add? I wish I knew the black IPA. <laughs> yeah, that didn't. Were, you remember that the didn't stick around that long. That, uh, I mean, there's still some good there's ones still out, still there. out there. No, don't get there's me wrong. Still out there. We did one. A, we did one a month ago. Um, don't get me wrong. There's still some good ones out there. There's a lot of good it's ones not out there. The wildfire that it once was. I remember the, the debate 
this is three or four years ago, the debate was whether or not it should be called a black IPA or the Cascadian dark ale. The Cascadian, yeah, that actually came up in a in a, this the Corridor podcast, I and believe. Corridor and St. Aaron did theirs together. And the black IPA won, yeah. and I think oh. everyone in Portland, Oregon, lost their shit when that <laughs> happened. But, um, so what was I saying? So yeah, so you so all our servers should be able. Uh, their expectation is that they're. Um, that they're gonna they're gonna understand what it is you're drinking these days, uh, understand what styles it are that you like, and then help you reverse engineer or find out which beer on our menu you should be trying first. And um, every time we drop a new beer, we all we all get together, we taste, we drink it, we talk about it. Uh, I, I'm, most of the folks working here have been drinking beer now for a while, good beer for a while, so they were all pretty knowledgeable and knew how to use the right descriptors uh not everyone did but we're all getting everyone's getting better at it getting them there yeah for sure for sure so you should um that's what you would expect when you walk in here yeah an awesome space that's just shitty enough what is it called the perfect (laughs) the perfect amount the perfect get it right the perfect amount of shitty perfect amount of shitty yeah sit your own ass down walk up to the food truck yeah that's built inside the side of the building yeah Get the beer that comes out of the giant tanks behind you directly into your glass. And then find John Brand. He's super tall and completely handsome. He said, yeah, he's... Super ugly. <laughs> super ugly. And talk to him about beer. Yeah. And he wants he wants to hear... Or he wants to... I mean, maybe you need like a stock tip or some future stuff or a spreadsheet looked at. He can do that, too. Yeah, I'm good with spreadsheets, He can too. do that, too. Yeah, bring your Excel files. We'll yes. talk about those, too. Yes. Um, do you prefer Windows or Mac? <laughs> I'm a Windows guy. He's a Windows guy. Bring yeah. it in on Windows. You know, yeah. that's Microsoft's way. Um, I really appreciate you. First of all, I'm so glad to get in here. Finally, it's awesome. It's a it's a great place. I can't wait. I'm gonna have pizza if that's okay. As soon as I get done, I'm gonna eat pizza. No, I'm gonna kick you uh, out. No, okay, that's fine. See, he's rude to the public. Note that. Put that <laughs> in your reviews. Go to Yelp.com. No. <laughs> But no, honestly, I appreciate you having me here, and your beer was phenomenal. I can't wait to have some more. I'll come back when Open Interest and uh, was it Lewis Winthrop? Lewis Winthrop. Open, open Interest, I think, is going to be back on this weekend. Oh, cool. I think. Which it'll probably be gone by the time I get in here. But no, <laughs> I'm kidding. This was this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for the opportunity and, to and talk tell about it. Tell them where space. we can like where they can follow you because I have fun following you on social media. Quite honestly, like there's plenty of breweries that I follow that like. They, they they post a thing or two here, but you guys actually have fun watching. Like, it's new beers, it's it's you shooting hoops, you know, it's the music, it's the parade, you know, all that all yeah. that stuff's great. I mean, yeah. it's visually Thank you. inviting, and uh, it's always fun. So. Thank you. So tell them where they can find you. Uh, Twitter, so on, Instagram, all that. Yeah, so we're on face we're on Facebook, uh, Open Outcry Brewing. We're on Twitter, which is Open Outcry Brew, I think is our handle, and then we're on Instagram. You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And I'll tag it all. Yeah, so I'll tag it all in the episode. And and also thanks to, uh, I don't know, Shy Beer Guy. Do you like giving your real name out? I don't know if you, <laughs> you prefer it or not. All right, Brady, Brady, Shy Beer Guy. Find him on all the social media stuff. Is there? Do you want to give him your uh, all the stuff you're working on? In terms of uh, my handles, you know, if you want to follow me on, on Facebook, I'm under Shy Beer Guy, uh, spaced in between each word. And that's shy as in... Shy Chicago, not shy like I'm extremely shy. Although I've, shy. Been, I've although I've been quiet this this almost this whole conversation. Um, Instagram is shy underscore beer underscore guy. Um, I am not on Twitter currently, but I am on Untapped as well. Same name, shy space beer space guy. 
All right. Is there anything else you want to add, John, before we before we piece these people out after an hour and a half of fun conversation? I don't think so. I'm just this, this was a lot of fun. I'm just glad to be here. Um, and um, you got was, live radio coming up too, don't you? Yeah, um, we're gonna do um, a show tomorrow. So I may not have this up yet. It's possible, but uh, if you're having it during the day, I may not. Uh, I may not have it up in time. But you're going to be doing a little live radio for the people to hear your sultry tones. That's right. Well, I don't know about that, but so um, uh, so, so Scott Scott Childers, who everybody knows Scott Scott Childers. Childers he's a Chicago radio legend. He's yeah. been in the game for as long as I can remember. I remember listening to him as a kid. Uh, I think didn't he used to be on WGN? I think he was yeah. a, like a like a news guy or, or a, he or was a around. Guy. He was around when I was a kid. I, I, I he we've been listening to him for thirty years. But he um uh he's a big beer guy and he him and his wife do breweries every weekend and um he's been in here a few times and uh he's enjoyed his experience so he invited he invited me on a show tomorrow um which is uh star ninety six point seven and I think I think Chet Brett is joining as well. Him oh, and Chet, awesome. him and Chet Brett are buddies. So, uh, so I think the plan is for Chet and myself to join him on his sh- show tomorrow and do live radio, which I've never done before. And screw the people listening. I don't care. It's for me. What time do you guys go on? <laughs> uh, let's see. He it looks like three. I'm putting to you on the spot. Three now. to six. Three to six. I'll have to dial that in. Not AM, right? <laughs> no, it's FM. <laughs> No, no, I meant 3 to 6 a.m. or p.m. <laughs> it's, it's definitely <laughs> afternoon, right? You're not waking up for the morning show. Yeah, Chet might, yeah, I would, I, would, I, would definitely, I would definitely slot Chet myself at 3 to 6 a.m. For the 3 p.m. Sh- group? Okay. For the a.m. show, for sure. Well, again, thank you. Thank you both, actually, Shy Beer Guy and, and John, for, for being here and hanging out. Um, and, again, I appreciate it. Open Outcry is awesome. Can't wait to come yeah, back. Yeah, this was great. Thank it's you. It's in a conveniently located area for the southwest uh, suburb dorks like myself who don't mm-hmm. get into the city too much. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. A, it's convenient. There's parking, like you said. you got a parking lot, and there's parking on the street, and there's food. And it looks pretty family-friendly. If I needed to bring my 5- and 7-year-old in here, it'd be just fine. And they'll eat your pizza, so that'd be cool. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being interested in our story. We're having a lot of fun here, so, so thank you. It seems Appreciate like it. it. Open Outcry, and we're out.